From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 237 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. I am here today to discuss with you ways and strategies to lessen anxiety. This is massive. And the first strategy that you're already doing is listening to a podcast about what is happening internally within the brain and within the body. And this was something that greatly helped lessen my anxiety, just listening to something that was going to, uh, well, bring about answers to the many questions that I was juggling with when I was contending with generalized anxiety disorder. And I was having a rough time of it because I thought I was going crazy. I thought this was never going to end. And then I thought this was going to resolve itself. Um, But none of these things were working. And I felt like I was in the middle of the ocean without a life preserver. And many of the clients that come to me, they usually say, I watched a video, I related to what you were saying, nobody else could explain it the way you did. And I feel like I've found some grounding. And I was like, yeah, I know what you mean because I was in the same boat. I needed some grounding too. The family and friends I was reliant upon weren't helping because they were not educated in the way someone who went through the tragedy and through the suffering is educated and and they're wise. I would say the wisdom of their story is crucial. So yeah, I'd say listen to podcasts. I used to listen to these podcasts when I was going to bed because one, I thought I would just absorb them unconsciously while I was in bed, but also two, they were providing me with a lot of relief. Like I was getting, I was hungry for these answers because frankly, I was in rock bottom and I was tired of suffering. I was emotionally done. So that's the first strategy is just educate yourself continuously on anxiety. And I mean, this isn't the path you really chose to go down, but that's what life is all about. We, we, we automate ourselves into a routine and then this routine becomes repetitive, hence routine, right? And um, we have to incorporate new things into our being in order to build on ourselves, build on our competence, and to, well, we we have to kill off all the other parts that just don't serve us because so much of us in this world today, we grab on to external things and we get lost in work the news, media, we get lost and we are detached from who we are. We don't even know who we are. We, we just think 
we act as if we are the things that we pay attention to. And in some sense, yeah, we are, but you know, you get caught up in thoughts and ideas of other people without building upon these individualistic thoughts or, you know, having a true conversation with yourself rather than, you know, distraction with external means. So for me, I thought to myself, you know what, if I took a step back from this chaotic life and focused on only a few things rather than paying attention to these unlimited questions and concerns in my mind's eye, what am I going to do for a career? Am I fulfilled? I'm not fulfilled. Oh my God, I don't feel good here. I don't feel good there. My room is a mess and all of these things. It's like, okay, what I need to narrow my focus. What I'm in rock bottom. I need to look towards my day to day, my micro routines to sort things out. But before we dive more into the strategies, when anxiety is continuously dormant in your life, I recommend you look towards these three factors. One, life may have become just too chaotic in general. Like I was saying before, there's too much to juggle. Maybe there are multiple big life changes happening, moving, job change, uh, child. Uh, it could be an illness, family member becoming ill, or it could be less of those. It could be an argument at work, and then it could be uh, car problems. It could be something happened at the bank and you are not pleased about it. So many life changes are happening and you're contending with all of those. Another factor is your stress schedule has been consistent for a long while. So this stress has been repetitive. You've become addicted to the stimuli around you you become addicted to stress because it's been your normal and it makes sense, right? It's what's most familiar to you. So your day is packed with these to-do lists and you're running from one errand to another. And in the morning you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I got so much to do. You get, you get to it, right? And, and it's, it's overwhelming and you're having arguments with your family because you're feeling stressed about all the, the to-dos. So that becomes compromised. Your relationships become compromised. Um, you're not paying much attention to what you're eating because you're just eating what's convenient to you. And so that's a problem that's causing anxiety. So your to-do list is massive. You feel like you're not really getting the relief that you need. You feel like playing a video game is going to be relieving for you, but you play. And then at the end of it all, you still feel like you're, you're not fulfilled. Right. And so in today's episode, I want to dive into what is some strategies that are fulfilling that I've noticed that bring about much relief to people who are in that stress mode continuously. 
But the third factor I want to get into is your past is catching up with you. It's catching up. And what I mean by that is there, well, first of all, there are too many stacked, unresolved life challenges that still plague your mind that have happened to you. Someone betrayed you, an Ill, uh, something happened to you in the past, maybe an illness that you still can't get over or the loss of a loved one. <clears throat> or it could be something, you know, something happened to you at work, right? These things that, or your childhood for that matter, especially your childhood, <clears throat> I feel like these things will plague you. And until you look at them and contend with them, they will continuously plague you and thus keep you stuck in the past. And so another thing to that is habits can catch up to you as well. So habits that I introduced when I was 17 didn't work for me when I was 27. Right. And so what I mean by that is it, it might be good and impulsive and fun when you're 17, drinking, drugs, pornography, uh, sexual relationships, bouncing around. It's all fun. It's exciting. You're, 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 it's like you're pushing on the boundaries of existence. You're seeing what you're just seeing you're you're living more egocentric but you're seeing how much you can get away with it's like a child who who tests the mother right to see you know they they they're they're crazy it's like they're they're unintegrated little blobs of happiness and excitement and then rage and they're they're just if if they're rage they're rage if they're excitement it's excitement if they're if they're desirous, they're just desirous. They're like what Freud would call these little emotional deities that inhabit us and they're unintegrated. And, and then the parents try to temper that down as the child progresses through life. It's like, well, stop being so much happy right now and impulsive. You know, it's only going to make things worse in the future. And I feel like the children always test the parents as well with what could they get away with. And so as we progress, like throughout our teenage years, I, I feel like that just continues. It's like we get we get engulfed in pleasures and instant gratification and we get we, we explore drugs and alcohol and it makes sense because I did that. <clears throat> but I feel like if you don't kill those habits off and you don't properly explore those, later in your 20s, it, it's probably not a good idea to continue down that road because these habits will catch up to you because you don't want to be a 30-year-old or a 40-year-old 40, 40 or a 50-year-old who still, for example, watches porn or still goes out on these benders and, and they drink a lot or, you know, eating junk foods. Like, you can metabolize that pizza when you're 20 and you're in your dorm room trying to cram in information for an exam. Like that all works, right? But when you're 30, you start to, I see it all the time with high school people I knew, I know, is they blow up, right? They, they, they still maintain the same diet, 
but their body just can't keep up with the carbohydrates and the excess sugar. And it's like, well, you have to shine a light on these habits and they're probably best to, it's probably best for you to shift them and not continue down that road because your body is not 20 forever. That's for sure. And these snakes will manifest themselves. And also not only that, not only will it compromise your immune system, but also it'll impact your uh, social life. It'll impact the relationships that you have. Um, it'll impact your job performance. It'll, it'll just decrease the overall quality of existence because these things, these instant gratifications, they don't last. When I was a kid, I loved getting an Xbox for Christmas. These were amazing things. These were dopaminergic rushes, but it just doesn't last because you get used to the Xbox and then everyone just gets bored of it. They need more, right? <laughs> you get so accustomed to the super stimuli that your body adjusts and then you need to search for the next one in order to get back to that extreme rush you got when you first got that Xbox. That's where shopping addiction falls into play here, right? You you buy one thing, it's exciting, you get a rush, you're like, you're just obsessing over the item and then you kind of, the more you use it, the more you just get, it, it just becomes your normal and then you're looking for the next thing to fill that void of excitement. And that's really interesting to think about. But those are the three factors to really think about right now if you're, you are contending with a lot of stress and anxiety in your life. And also, I want to bring it back to the game, the video game metaphor with things catching up to you because I've seen it before with people who play video games and they're like 35. They're very socially awkward. So <clears throat> it's a... It's a harsh awakening at that point. So imagine you're like 35 and you wake up one morning and it happens all the time. You wake up and you go, oh my God, I'm 35. And, you know, I can't even talk properly to a random stranger. I'm awkward. I'm, bumble I'm bumbly. I'm, I'm disintegrated, right? Uh, I, I've been playing video games. I haven't done much with my life. I'm still in the job that I just find mediocre and unfulfilling. Uh, I haven't even traveled. And that realization, man, can be devastating because it opens your eyes to this uncomfortable truth that, you know, it's like you did that to yourself. You were the one playing video games for a decade. It's like, where were you during that time? It's like, what? What part of you were you satisfying playing those games? It's not an easy thing to confront. It's horrifying. That's what I felt when I looked to my pornography usage when I was, I think, around 27 when I shifted pornography. It's been four years. So I think, yeah, 27. And I looked towards that. And I was like, oh my God, I was watching porn for a decade of my life. Like, oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta do something about this, right? I'm almost 30 now and 
things aren't working out the way I want them to work out. Um, I feel like I'm a slave to this desirous deity lurking within me. I have to sort that out. So look towards your day. Look, shine a spotlight on your current habits, your rituals. And that's a big realization, but also a very daunting one. It's like waking up after a decade of porn use or like like with me or like playing video games for a long time or looking at your addiction to alcohol, for example, or the the junk foods that you've been eating for 20, 30 years, right? It's not a pretty thing, but look towards that, shine a light on that. And maybe there is something there to work on. Maybe that's your next mountain to climb. And that, hey man, that brings a lot of meaning to people. That brought a lot of meaning to my life. Something worthwhile to strive for. Man, that will add some motivation and fuel. And it makes things interesting and exciting because this is this is your next great adventure. And so one of the things that you can do during the day to help lessen your anxiety is, well, instead of news radio when you're driving to work, how about silence? How about you look towards the breath and you pay attention to that? and you practice mindful breathing, that will change the game. Meditation changes the game. It slows things down. Because I'll tell you something, when I was, my old self was filled with anxiety, and I noticed that I was doing everything at a quick pace, running around like a madman, forgetting my phone, forgetting my wallet, forgetting this, um, you know, making a mess of things because I'm, I'm running late. I'm not giving myself the proper time. I'm not, I'm not slowing down. I'm, I'm, I'm walking into too many potholes, right? I'm, and what I mean by that is, you know, I'm playing too many video games and, it, you know, I, I could have lessened the amount of video games and then I could have added more space, like there's always something to sacrifice. And then that space would have helped me prep. It would have been better if I prepped something for tomorrow. And that's the thing to remember with anxiety is you can prep for tomorrow. You can do things today that'll help benefit the future you. And the quality of your sacrifices today determine the quality of your existence in the future tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, that trickles. It trickles forward. And so adding that time to meditate is unbelievably useful. And I highly recommend a book called Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he says, we try to predict, control, and force outcomes in an unconscious effort to increase our survival. And we pack our days full of to-do lists that when a slow driver emerges in front of us and gets in the way of our goal-directed behavior, what happens, we become immediately hostile, aggressive, 
we curse. We pack our days too full of these expectations. And if they're not being met, it's game on for your anxiety systems, man. And so if the day is so tightly packed, there can't be any room for error. So many of us, we lose touch with who we really are because we get lost in the social norms of news, work, super stimulized sugar, caffeine, alcohol, media like TikTok, YouTube, emails. We get lost. These things distract ourselves. But what happens at night when there is nothing like that, when you put your head down on the pillow and it's silence? The monsters of your mind, the things you haven't accomplished, parts of you that you feel insecure about emerge. It's no picnic. The reality of your situation, the traumas of your past. But what does Carl Jung say? What's the dictum he follows? What you need most is found where you least want to look. It's within the monsters you will resolve and discover. You will resolve the toxic parts lurking within your unconscious, but you will also discover new parts of yourself when you resolve those toxic parts. Now that's worth thinking about for a long time. But anyways, we, we become addicted to this arousal state. Even though it's not truly benefiting ourselves, we become addicted to it. And when we are in stress mode, our brain wave state is high range beta. High range beta. And also this means that your foot is on the gas pedal, but the car is in park and you're just burning up all these internal resources like crazy. And this compromises your immune system. It compromises rational thinking. You become unintegrated, meaning anger gets to the best of you because you're not getting adequate sleep or adequate nutrition. So these things like aggression, irritability, uh, restlessness, uh, uh, an overall sense of lacking can manifest itself when you're in stress mode all the time. Things need to slow down. This morning, when I was writing out this podcast episode, I was at the beach. I was sitting on the rocks. It was a beautiful day. The sun was out and a change of scenery was nice because now that it it is uh, summer, I feel like that space is necessary for me 
and not like in the mornings I don't watch anything. I don't watch TV. I don't until my routine is done obviously i might turn on something later but uh, i'll do my routine i'll meditate i'll journal i will um even go to the beach do my podcast or do do a video and then later as a reward i'll introduce a little bit of tv something i really like something i find valuable but those that space is so unbelievably important because like I was saying before, our brains can be in high range beta. We are in stress mode. Our sympathetic nervous system is active, but we can move from that high range beta into a theta range state. And when you spend time meditating and you bring about space, it can be challenging at first because we are addicted to thoughts we are addicted to entertaining these images and these ideas that float into the mind and that's the challenge is that a lot of people stop meditating after a week is because they feel like they're not doing it but you need time to look at the thoughts and be aware of them learn how to just accept that they're there and also Talk to yourself in a way that you can be comfortable not having these stimuli around, but these thoughts just coming and going. Even if you get lost in it, it's better to get lost in these thoughts than to be distracted by TV. That's what I'm talking about, is you might discover parts of your mind that you never thought was there when you're just sitting and and you're getting lost in these thoughts you might discover what you value by you know what you're paying attention to determines what you value so maybe you're ruminating over certain things that are in the mind look towards that and go huh you know I'm, i'm really valuing these things like what is it to these things that i'm valuing explore these things and that's that's huge in David Goggins' book, um, he talks about being in the hospital uh, uh, and having all of these injuries because he's been burning himself to a crisp, right? I mean, he he went through hell week. He's, he's been training his body ruthlessly and aggressively for a long time, pursuing his goals and his dreams. And he was just go, 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 go. But then um, his past catched up with him because he was he was he was putting himself in these unbelievable situations testing himself which is awesome but he he uh, he failed at, to recognize uh how far he's come in his his past and so in, until he was in the hospital bed and he had this massive re- revelation while he was laying there not doing anything, right? He wasn't pursuing the gym or that uh, ultra marathon or uh, whatever it was, right? He, he, the hospital took him out of his element. And so he looked at his life differently, having all that space to just contemplate and he discovered so much of himself. He, he took the time to look over his life 
with a fine tooth comb and look not only towards what he accomplished, but where he came from, his past. And that's huge. And so that's what this space allows you to do is it opens the door to self-analyzation. You explore not only your past, but where you are now. That's huge. And so when you are in meditation, when you spend time with yourself, when you practice mindful breathing, you can move to a lower range beta state and you can go into a theta brainwave state. That's, that's the state where you are drifting off into sleep. It's when you let go and you're just drifting away. You're, it's like this separation between this attachment to thinking and you are now observing. You're just letting, you're just letting things go. And that's another really important thing to know is that meditation and that space allows you to, well, it, you learn to let go. You learn to let go of thoughts. Even though it's there doesn't mean you have to fall into that thought. And it's massive. And when you move into a more relaxed state, you also activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest system. So your immune system becomes stronger. You can think more rationally and your mind opens up to more possibility. It lessens your narrow focus and it opens up your mind to more of what's possible in the world. And then I want to dive into the last strategy that you can do is make a plan. You know, make a plan for tomorrow and for what you want three to five months down the road. And so I recommend that you sit and write this out, okay? You make a plan. So short-term, what, well, do you have a lot to do? I do have a lot of to-do lists. Well, write out your schedule for tomorrow. This is what I did to lessen my anxiety. Uh, I, I was nervous about going into work. I was nervous about doing a good job. I was, I, I was nervous about juggling all of my responsibilities. Make a plan. What time are you going to wake up? Write that down. Are you going to give yourself some space in the morning? Write that down. Meditate 15 minutes write in a journal for five minutes, just do some mind, something mindful. Or maybe it could be taking a walk for half an hour in the morning and paying attention to your surroundings, being mindful of the environment. That's huge. Not being distracted by the phone, emails, whatever. So write down your plan of action for tomorrow. And that's, that's, so relieving, especially to me when I was nervous about juggling work and, and also prep your equipment. So if you're going to work and you have equipment to bring, or if you have things to bring to your job, prep that the night before prep 
food prep, uh, even prep. Maybe if you're going out to lunch that day, prep where you're going, where you're going, right? Adding as much predictability into your day will help alleviate anxiety, but more long-term, what, where, where are you aiming at? Like, what are your goals? What do you have a habit that you want to resolve? Or maybe you, you feel unfulfilled in your job. Maybe the goal is to just look around for work, right? Because the idea of finding a job is daunting. But if you shrink down the goal to, you know what, I'm going to look for a job for 15 minutes each day this week. And, you know, you think 15 minutes isn't that long, but when you when you get going, you start to go longer, right? You start to get into the, the task and you might wind up doing it for an hour, but you have to shrink down the goals or your goal could be meditate for 15 minutes. Um, where do you want to be three to five months down the road? How do you want to feel? How do you want to act? That's important. What do you want? What do you really, really, really want? You're in a rut, right? Maybe. Or maybe you're just looking to change one aspect of your life. But what do you really want? And create a vision. And then what would happen if I stayed the same three to five months down the road? And that's useful too, because you want your anxiety to push you forward rather than you want to be more fearful of staying in the same place. So you want to ask those questions. If I was not pursuing anything, if I was still the same three to five months down the road, how, how would that make me feel? And that's really, really important. It's also crucial to know that the mere fact there is uncertainty, there's too much uncertainty in your day-to-day and your body is obsessing and ruminating over it is a sign that the mind needs to know how to traverse this low resolution terrain. It needs to know how to resolve these uncertain elements accumulating right now you need to look towards what's what uncertainty am i juggling with am i uncertain about an ailment that the doctor may or may not find am i uncertain about a job that i may or may not get am i uncertain about my relationship am i uncertain about it could be anything could my carb you know, how much is it going to cost? It's, it's at the mechanics. What is happening right now? And so write those things down in a, as a separate exercise. Write them down. What's, what, what's happening right now? What's going on? Life on occasion will bend and it will warp us out of our automated states. And when it does... Will you fall into more chaos yourself or have enough emotional space in your glass as well as the competence to contend with the unknown? 
So these are just a few of the many strategies I recommend that you do in order to contend with this uncertainty. And that's where I'm going to leave you on this podcast episode. Thank you for being here, being a supporter of the podcast and use this as a tool to reach your higher self. Rise above anxiety. I will see you next time. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.